My dear apprentice, I write hoping preparations for your journey are going well. Our great work will take time, but I am sure that you will achieve great things on the way to Chrysopia. This week on Schedule for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I talk with Chiara Locatelli of Nessu Dove about their upcoming game, On the Way to Chrysopia. Return magic to the world around you in this epistolary game between you and another as master and apprentice finish their great work. Translation, emotion, and imagination are all coming up on Schedule for Launch. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I'm really excited to be joined by a creator and publisher for games here that we haven't seen before. Chiara Locatelli, thank you so much for coming onto the show today. I'm really excited to be talking about this game. Thank you, Zach. I'm really happy to be here, too. We were talking a little bit before the show started, and you are part of a publisher called Nisun Dove, and I just I want to know, how did you get involved with that? That's actually a great question. Uh, <laughs> basically, uh, I started out uh, as a translator in this field. Uh, Oscar and uh, Maria, which are the other two persons behind uh, Nisun Dove, were looking for someone to translate the um, LARP anthology that was the first publication by Nesundove into English to do, you know, a double language campaign. And mm-hmm. uh, we just played tabletop together, like a, a friend of a friend uh, had introduced us and we were just playmates. And uh, they had another translator who wasn't working uh, very well. And uh, I said, okay, <laughs> can I try this? I was still in university. And yeah. uh, they said, okay. And uh, that's how, how it started, basically. And uh, yeah, at first we just published our own games, uh, which is the Crescendo Giocoso Anthology, was uh, this uh, LARP collection, basically Mm -hmm. 12 LARP scenarios uh, made by people in our community. Okay. And uh, after that, uh, basically we found ourselves in a situation where we couldn't play live games anymore. Of course, you know, the hell times 2020, (laughs) we were talking about that too. Yeah, and uh, so we decided to start uh, delving a little bit more into publishing, uh, and uh, now we are trying to bring uh, some games from around the world to Italy and uh, do vice versa with games from people we like from outside the Anglosphere into the Anglosphere, the greater uh, like role-playing community. It's really exciting to me because from the people I've talked to as well, Italy has had a boom in roleplay and roleplay publishers. And I know that there's always been a, a small community, but I'm starting to see even on Kickstarter and just all over the, the backing space that there's been a huge rise in Italian developed and published roleplay games. Obviously, we know a huge part of it was the pandemic. But why do you think there's this sudden shift in the community there? On the one hand, I feel like uh, uh, Italian indie publishers and indie authors, especially like self-publishing uh, authors, have always been here in one form or, mm-hmm. or another. Uh, there were people uh, uh, like we had the forum that was like uh, gen- uh, called uh, Gente Che Gioca, I think. And uh, it was uh, basically an Italian offshoot of the Forge. It perpetuated a lot of the same discussions that were being had in uh, the English-speaking world. 
I think what changed in the last few years is that uh, some more people began to take notice because uh, f- at first it was all very insular. I mean, I played tabletop for like 10 years before I ever heard anything about uh, games that were not like the big uh, three, like D&D, uh, The World of Darkness, Call of Tulu were the big ones I knew about. And then there was this like subculture that uh, I was not remotely aware of and i think it was like that for a lot of people and Mm -hmm. now uh we're like becoming more aware of each other maybe we're we have grown a little bit as a scene basically we're more mature and we are starting to put out stuff that i can be proud of and also uh this may be like tooting my horn uh, my own horn a little but i think that one big push came uh, in the idea to translate our games to make them available to like people outside of Italy, because mm-hmm. we are a small community, like uh, a couple hundred people, maybe the creator space, and that's not like a big scene where you can have big stuff happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you start to reach out to people from outside, you could change the entire game basically. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. Oh, Kiara, I just realized I hmm. flubbed a little bit. We yeah. never got you to introduce yourself to the audience. So could you please tell the audience a little bit You're about right. who you are and <laughs> <laughs> what you do with Nesun Dove? Okay, that's perfectly fair. <laughs> so I am, uh, first of all, a translator and also a designer of games in uh, Italy, here, Nessundove is a publishing studio that takes care of both our own games and uh, translates the games uh, we like from around the world into Italian and vice versa, basically. Uh, we like uh, all kinds of games, but uh, we focus uh, mainly on uh, LARP and on uh, story-heavy games that let, uh, let us uh, play with feelings, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- that's it. You may know us from our LARP anthologies, Crescendo Giocoso and Crescendo Giocoso Ritornello. These are two collections of 12 uh, LARP scenarios each. And uh, the latter won an Indie Groundbreaker Award in 2021, I think. It's super exciting because this podcast has had a lot of LARP creators coming kind of into the tabletop space, which has given rise to some really new and cool things. And I know that Nessun Dove looks at a lot of really interesting games that aren't in English that we're not seeing. And one of those games we're actually going to be talking about right now is on the way to Chrysopia. So can you tell me about what Chrysopia is? So on the way to Chrysopia is an epistolary role-playing game. So you write letters to each other uh, by taking on the parts of a master alchemist and their disciple uh, as they work together and travel around the fantasy world to try and uh, bring a great work to completion. So turning lead to gold is a classical goal, but it could yeah. be anything really. You decide it together at the start of the journey. So it's a game about feelings and alchemy and uh, telling a story together. Mm-hmm. It has an incredible core relationship between the master and the disciple, and that's such an integral part. But I think it's also important to note that this is a game that you're currently translating. Can you tell me a little bit about who the author is and how you all came across this game? 
Okay, so the game was originally made by Morgan Rainier, which is a poet and uh, game designer and a writer, basically. Uh, she is based in France, and she made the game around 2015, if I am getting the dates correctly. It was originally illustrated by Marion Boulot, which is a concept artist, illustrator, and art director. It was uh, in beautiful, stunning watercolor the first time we've seen it. And uh, basically, we didn't want to change a single thing about the illustrations, but uh, we did want to give it uh, a little bit more of a precious look on the outside. So we mm-hmm. took the original manuscript, reworked it a little bit, uh, of course, with the collaboration of both author and uh, illustrator, and uh, published a new edition in Italy in 2020. It was one of the first projects we took on. And as I mentioned before, it's a a hell times sort of project. I discovered is, I remember I was in quarantine. I was depressed out of my mind because I live alone and I hadn't seen anyone in like a month. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I stumbled across this game and I started reading it. And it's such a poetic, like uh, just reading it. It's an intimate text. I really fell in love with it. yeah, at basically first sight. And so I asked Oscar, which is the um, head of our publishing house, our editor, basically, uh, mm-hmm. if uh, he liked it too. He fell in love the, with the illustrations, actually. That was the first thing that struck him. And uh, yeah, we played the game. It was beautiful. And we decided we wanted to translate it, in, it into Italian. Between the the themes and the colors and the layout of it it is gorgeous and there is some really beautiful and powerful things going on throughout this game and one of those is the relationship between the two player characters so could you introduce who you and your writing companion are and how this game sort of promotes those themes of discovery and returning magic to the world. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you might have wondered what Chrysopia means in the title. It's a really weird uh, name, especially in English. It sounds a little Mm -hmm. bit nicer in Italian French, but (laughs) (laughs) it's uh, actually a real word. It means uh, turning lead to gold. It's what alchemists did. Uh, you know, making the Philosopher's ah. Stone. It was the great big goal of alchemy. And that is where the game takes its inspiration from. Mm-hmm. So you play a master and a disciple, as you said, and their relationship is really the core of the game. Basically, you are either an alchemist that is too old to travel or too busy with work or too frail for some other reason. They are yeah. stuck to a single place and... Uh, cannot complete the great work on their own, right? Mm -hmm. And so they take on an apprentice, a disciple. Uh, This is a young someone uh, that can even be older than the buster, but they are newer to the work of alchemy. They they have something to learn, right? And so they set out uh, under their master's directions, basically. And so Mm -hmm. you write letters with each other and start exploring the relationship between these two as the disciple explores uh, the world all around, which is uh, what the setting of the game is called. We'll uh, circle back to that later. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) yeah. And so the disciple travels, the master stays home and researches, 
And basically, uh, what you do during the game is, on the one hand, you give challenges to each other as players. So things you should be doing, like build an instrument that can do this, or uh, find me a map that leads to X place, you know, something like that. And uh, in the meanwhile, you the idea of the game is that you draw inspiration from what you have around you. So, for example, uh, in the real world, uh, one of the things uh, that uh, made our game interesting, we were playing glass workers, not like uh, vials uh, and the potions alchemists, mm -hmm. because uh, alchemists in the game can kind of be anything. Yeah. And uh, so we were playing glass workers, right? And I had this little tiny glass bird that my mother had given me like years ago. And so I sketched it in the bottom of my first uh, letter, you know, I made a little drawing and I sent it with the letter and that bird became like the focus of our search because uh, the idea of our great work was turning uh, glass to life, basically, glass statues to life, right? And mm -hmm. so, you know, I had this keepsake in my house that had meaning to me personally as a player and uh, we put it into the game and it became something meaningful to the characters. And that yeah. is how it works. It doesn't have to be something of great personal significance to you uh, like that. It can just be a pretty building you see once on a walk outside. But that's the invitation of the game. It tries to get you to look at the world around you with new eyes and uh, bring a little magic back to it by injecting it into a fantasy landscape. And that is why the setting is called the world all around. I wouldn't have guessed that. Being like in English, it doesn't come through as cleanly, but I love mm -hmm. it in English. Like we don't really have Chrysopia as like a term. So hearing yeah. the, the origins of that, it's, I think it helps to establish the poeticness of this game. And like I, I have to say this audience, like this game is beautifully written and it, it looks stunning everything flows super well from what I've been shown. So you can see the original author, the way that she writes kind of ties everything together in that way. I love it. I think it's gorgeous. I'm happy to hear that the, you know, poeticness of it, poetry of it translates well. <laughs> yeah. So that's the, I was going to say, how much of this do you like your translator? So mm -hmm. obviously things aren't one for one when it comes to words. You have to attach emotion and different different words to mean slightly different things. How how is this for translating? Well, it's basically the same thing. I translate games as my day job, but uh, I am training to be a literary translator. So translate like works of uh, high literature and stuff, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that's my university course. Yeah. And what I have discovered both in my work and uh, in my studies is that translating basically means creative writing, because what you are doing is taking a text, trying to get the essence of it, basically, if I can describe mm -hmm. it in sort of poetic, poetic uh, words myself. Yeah. And putting that back into another language. You're repainting the same uh, landscape, but with another palette, basically. Yeah. And that's that's where I was wondering how the in intention came through. Because in your first language, it's 
a lot easier just to grasp something. But now Fist is going into English, which is basically almost not my two steps. It's basically two steps away from the original text. Because my guess is that you did the Italian translation first. And was that your reference point? Or did you refer right back to the French text to translate it to English? I am basing the English text of the Italian translation. But uh, it's mostly because the edition has been uh, a little bit retooled in how the chapters are ordered. And Mm -hmm. so we are using the new Italian structure. But I am trying to go back and forth between the two languages, basically, to check that everything still fits the original smooth. That being said, I don't think you can translate something without putting a little bit of yourself in it. Yeah. That's basically impossible. Uh, If you try to say that you are doing that, you're either lying or you are putting yourself into it, but you are not aware that you are doing it. So you Mm -hmm. should be aware that you're doing it. And so I think that the little bits of myself that I'm trying to put into the text are the parts that first fell in love with the game when I started reading it. So I am trying to get the same feeling across as the one that made me like the game in the first place. If that makes sense. No, it does make sense because reading the English doc that you sent me to kind of get a feel of the game, there was definitely times where I forgot it was a translated version. Outright totally didn't realize. So First of all, kudos on that because it runs really well. Second, though, it, it just it feels nice. The entire book feels loved, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that, seriously. Uh, because I think one of the main difficulties in uh, getting a, a game across when you're not the author, especially in the indie space, is mm-hmm. to... like. Have people believe that you care about the project? Yes. I, I don't know if that makes sense either, but no, it makes I, sense. yeah, this uh, this space is really author focused, and I'm worried that we may come across as just people like uh, a middleman, you know, doing this yeah. because uh, it's an easy project or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- and I don't want to give up that impression because that's not it. I seriously, uh, I would die for this game. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I am being melodramatic, but uh, seriously, that's how I feel about it. <laughs> no, it's it's totally fair. You want to see it be successful and you want people to play it. Yeah. Uh, especially because uh, um, one of the main uh, things that made us go, okay, we should translate this, is that uh, a couple of Italian players told us that uh, they would have liked to play it with English friends. Mm. But uh, English friends didn't know Italian and they didn't know French. So they were left, you know, <laughs> lost. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't want anyone to have that. Yeah, us English speakers are notorious for that. So, <laughs> <laughs> ah, Globalization. Call it you right there. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, like two days ago, I took an exam that was all about uh, the English in the late modern period, which was during the British Empire. So yeah. when uh, English like went everywhere and replaced basically half of the people's <laughs> native languages. Oh, yeah. So I am passionate about this right now. Okay. <laughs> I yes, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> 
so there's two little pieces of they're they're really essential for making sure the game can run smoothly and keep consistent and that's the travel journal and i believe i'm going to try and pronounce this the athanor athanor uh yeah i think uh, it's anglicized as ethanor these are all like latin ish uh, mm-hmm. alchemical terms what are they and how do what do they do how do they help with play okay so the travel journal is basically your character sheet what you would call the character sheet in other games yeah on uh, one half of the character sheet you record the basic details of character creation uh this game doesn't have any like numerical scores almost mm-hmm. So it's all uh, storytelling decisions you make with your partner. The first uh, uh, session, if we call it the only session, basically, because the rest is done at a distance, not live in real time, yeah. uh, is where you create the, story, the characters together and start to piece out who they are and what they are trying to do. So you mm-hmm. record all of that stuff in the first half of the travel journal. On the other half of the travel journal, you find the ethanor, which is a really weird word, as I said. It's the alchemical term for a crucible, so a pot where you start melting things together to to make them into something new, right? And here it's the metaphorical ethanor where you melt together your experiences, your adventures to bring you towards Chrysopia. One thing I didn't mention before, Chrysopia is also a city in the setting, sort of like Atlantis, uh, Shangri-La, you know, the mythic city that no one sure actually exists. Mm -hmm. So, um, the Ethanor, we were saying, uh, it's the main mechanic of the game. The only mechanic it has, actually, (laughs) if we want to look at it that way. (laughs) So, uh, it's uh, a set progression of uh, stages the characters go through the milestones of their journey. So you start out uh, with the first matter. Uh, You know, it follows the alchemy terms again. The first matter is Earth. So you start out with uh, departing the land you started in. The the disciple goes off. The master stays there. They say goodbye. That's the first matter. Then you go on to various works of alchemy. Uh, you start uh, with the practical and the personal, basically. So you build your instruments for the great quest and you conf- start confronting uh, your nostalgia, the fear, the the melancholy that keeps you from traveling, mm-hmm. f- from embracing the quest fully. That's uh, the, the start of the journey. And yeah. then you go on to do bigger and bigger adventures. So uh, I was saying before that uh, Master and Disciple give each other challenges, right? Mm -hmm. These challenges are the milestones of the ethanol, the works of alchemy you have to do. And uh, yeah, so you have sort of a guideline of what the challenge should be about. You're not completely left to your uh, devices to come up with it. So for example, the first work is building the instruments of your success. The book goes into detail on what uh, a good quest could be for that first work. For example, I'm trying to pull it up. Yeah. Uh, The disciple might want to secure the best possible means of transportation. We went with that one for my journey. Uh, I had my character start crafting uh, a boat to sail uh, across the sky with. Basically, it was a flying boat sort of thing. And, uh, for example, the master 
had to provide me with crucial logistical support, start building a map in uh, our case to map out where the magical grass, glass artifacts we were seeking would likely be. Okay. That was the example from our, from our game, but it could be a lot of things. There's a lot of variety there, even though mm-hmm. it feels quite, uh, you know, thematically restricted. And uh, yeah, you go bigger and bigger. You start improving yourself. You start improving the world around you. Some uh, quests are can get quite political in nature if uh, that's something you want to explore in your game. As I said, yeah. the alchemists don't need to be like potions and vials. They could be like politicians in training or activists or people trying to save a dead language from uh, from extinction, for example, yeah. uh, since we were talking about that. And uh, so... They go on along the Athanor, doing these works of alchemy, until they reach the last work, which is the work of the sun, the work that will bring them to Chrysopia, either literally or metaphorically. Either way, the game stops right before they reach it. You never see the real end of the journey, because uh, the game is about the journey. Yeah. There is a couple different ways the game ends, and that really Mm -hmm. comes down to how you and your partner want it to end that's i think something that's it's it's something that's really beautiful about this game it's almost cinematic the the three different ways because without going into too much detail about them you could reach crespia alone you could be waiting for the your your partner to arrive but who knows what happens there or you never make it. And I think no matter what, and obviously too, there's all the other examples that the imaginative people playing this game will come up with. And I think that that Mm -hmm. is a very strong part of this game. I do like that this game has an end point. It's, it's very interesting to me because a lot of, uh, a lot of epistiary games don't, have like a solid like this is when you're done so between the challenges and that i think that this is a really good idea yeah as i said it's a really ruthless game on the one hand but on the other it does give you a solid structure to improvise with so you uh the only mechanic is actually the story progression and I think that's really freeing in a way because uh, you don't have to uh, take care of a lot of fiddly scores, for example, or of the you know the little nitty gritty of the adventure. You can just focus on okay, let's tell a story together. Let's start small and go ever bigger until we reach a climactic end. And I think that's something. Uh, really nice about the game yeah something that also comes up as a theme in it is the viewpoints of the master and the viewpoints of the disciple because you have this disciple Mm -hmm. seeing to them modern new sites and the master who is relying on old information and just the ideas of nostalgia versus what's currently going on is such a such an interesting take yeah also because it lets you have two very different experiences uh, 
in the same game based on what character you are playing. So the master, as you said, is more focused on the on the old, on past, on nostalgia. They are uh, uh, going through the steps of their old journey again as they watch their disciple go through the same stuff, basically. So you're not going to invent the like greatest big adventures, but you are going to have space to reflect. Uh, the game allows you to devote entire letters to, you know, talking about feelings, which is not something that you see in a lot of games, uh, especially if they are more adventure-driven, right? Yeah. And on the other hand, you have a disciple who is more free as a player to describe, like, as you said, big vistas, uh, bustling cities, but also the wilderness and uh, so on. And uh, yeah, they are two like completely different game experiences. Uh, they can be a way to challenge yourself a little bit, for example. I am very much focused on the feel, uh, touchy-feely kind of gameplay. Yeah. And I struggle a bit <laughs> when coming up with uh, action and adventure. And so I did have my fun playing Disciple, trying to get out of my comfort zone. I hope you can't hear my cat meowing. Oh, that's okay. We love a good cat or dog. Oh, it's launch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there has been, like I mentioned, especially with COVID happening, a lot of epistiary games. To you, Kiara, what do you think is the thing that you like about letter writing games? Okay. So. One of the first uh, great loves of my RPG journey was uh, not actually uh, tabletop RPGs, but like text-based games. Mm -hmm. So where you sat at uh, a computer for like 12 hours and just uh, wrote <laughs> paragraphs upon paragraphs with each other, <laughs> that kind yeah. of stuff, uh, almost without a rule set. It was wild. I spent so much time on it. And for me, <laughs> letter writing is a more sane way to bring that back to my ordinary life, basically. <laughs> Because I don't think uh, it's really healthy to spend 12 hours a day at the computer doing that. <laughs> I mean, not not for me at least, it wasn't. I really got obsessed with it. And uh, with letter writing, instead of like devoting uh, uh, like three hours, four hours uh, to do a tabletop session or like an entire day, as I was saying, by playing text-based uh, live, I can just say set uh, aside an evening uh, once a week and uh, get some time to myself to reflect and write and put some uh, depth into the character I'm building. I think it allows you to explore stuff in depth uh, a little more than uh, live-action games, just because you have, one, more time to reflect, and two, yep. uh, less pressure to keep things, uh, you know, uh, fast-paced and engaging for other players. So it's really a different kind of play, and I really love it. It is a bit like journaling games. Yeah. 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 I think another nice part, too, is just who doesn't love to receive a letter that isn't a bill? You had yeah. mentioned that there are Italian players looking at On the Way to Crespia who couldn't play with their English friends, but that means that there's probably a bit of distance in that level. That letter is traveling. 
And that's got to be exciting too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that's one of the coolest things about the game. Uh, it can be played uh, both with a real post and with email. Uh, mm -hmm. The author actually suggests that the best way to play it is to handwrite your letters, scan them and send them over via email so you're sure you get them. An Italian player, I think, found even an even better way. He told me there's this website called Slowly, I think, slow.ly, oh, that yes. lets you send email that travels in real time as if it were the post. Okay, yeah. so you write an email to someone uh, in England and uh, the site calculates how much time uh, the letter would need to get there and it sends them the email like one week later or whatever the timing is. And I think that's a, a really cool way to play, honestly. Yeah. I haven't tried it yet myself, but uh, I think the anticipation is part of this game. So the pauses count just as much as the time you spend reading and writing. I think that helps you get more attached to your your disciple or your master because you're still playing with a friend, but... Not just that. I think it also helps you um, look for inspiration around you. The bring yeah. magic back to the world part, right? Uh, because uh, if you are doing like one letter a day or a fast-paced game like that, you, it's going to start to feel like a bit of a scavenger hunt. You are just going through your day, looking around and seeing what you can attach to your letter. What makes sense with this story, right? It's mm -hmm. uh, It can be interesting in one way. I've tried it with some uh, fast-paced games, but I think uh, it's a different sort of pleasure to just go about your day and let yourself just be reminded of your game at one point. Like you look at mm -hmm. something and you say, huh, this would work. And if you have like a week or two weeks to do that, you really have the time to let yourself, let your mind wander basically. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how I feel about it. The idea that and since you are drawing so much inspiration from what's around you, the mundane stuff that you pass by won't be as forced, is how I feel about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It can start to feel a little bit forced if you are trying to force yourself to be inspired. Mm -hmm. I mean... And uh, it's not necessary to attach something to every letter. You can go without. But I think part of the beauty of the game is that it can filter into your daily life a little bit. And uh, you have to give it time to percolate, like, yep. <laughs> to do that. Yeah. I, I totally agree. It's, it's something that's very exciting. I think that this is going to touch a bit of an emotional touchstone for some people because this game has that potential. And I'm really excited to hear about some of the adventures that people go on with their friend on on the way to Crespia. So, let's get to the big question here. Kiara, <laughs> On the Way to Crespia is going to be going live on Kickstarter as of recording this in less than 24 hours. But what has been some of the yeah. challenges with Kickstarter... And what are people going to be able to get through backing it? 
Hmm. Okay, so the key, the challenges so far have been that we are trying to reach out to basically a completely new audience because, as I said before, we've done international Kickstarters with Crescendo Jocoso and the like, but for those, they were bilingual Kickstarters. So we had our Italian fan base, basically, or fan base is the wrong word, like player community that could mm-hmm. uh, chip in, you know, and be excited about a new thing that was coming out. Whereas with Chrysopia, uh, it already came out in Italy and we are not going to produce an entirely new edition of the game for Italian players. So we are just putting it out into the world and hoping that someone new sees it and loves it as much as we did. However, we did include some surprises if uh, someone from uh, Italy wants to, you know, support us. Or if someone uh, <laughs> is intrigued by the game but doesn't want to go all in yet because they want to see other people play it first, uh, we are actually relying on the idea of um, getting a letter. You know, it's always exciting. Uh, we're including like a small pledge to get an art postcard with one of the big, uh, beautiful illustrations from the game. And we want to handwrite them and sign them and send them off to people through the actual post and see if they get there, basically. That's so exciting. I really like that as a a backing level. It's, yeah. Yeah, it felt so in tune with the game. Uh, it was basically the first thing that came to mind uh, when we started thinking of how to, you know, present the game to other people. It's just a nice little feeling having someone handwrite a message to you and send it off. Mm-hmm. And yeah. But of course, the campaign is also to get an actual game. You will be yeah. able to get it both uh, on a digital level, you know, just uh, the PDF free of uh, <laughs> of any DRM. We don't believe in that stuff. Yeah. You just get the game digitally to play. And uh, there is a physical pledge, which uh, will be modeled after the Italian edition, which is uh, a little like notebook. Uh, you may have seen the pictures yourself. Yes, oh, it's so uh, pretty. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, a, basically a pocket-sized book with uh, an elastic and a ribbon and everything, just like a travel journal would be. And uh, yeah, that's basically the tears of the game. Uh, we're not doing any big fancy stuff. The only things we we added on are the possibility of getting two copies of the game, one for the play the person you want to play with, basically. And uh, a little pack of the postcards if you want to send them off yourself. Mm -hmm. The postcards are so beautiful, too. Incredibly stunning art for this. Yeah, Mariona Uh, is a really amazing artist. Uh, She's done uh, them all in watercolor, so they are uh, actual uh, uh, physical media with a little bit of uh, digital drawing in some of them, but uh, they are mostly just watercolor. And I, I... they are one of the things that made us fall in love with the game first. So we wanted to do them justice, basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Uh, yeah, there will be some stretch goals to the campaign, which, uh, I mean, fingers crossed that by the time this comes out, they will be already funded, but I should mention all the same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I'm hoping we, we just go big, of course, but everyone hopes that. So, <laughs> yeah. So what are the stretch goals? Yeah, let's hear about those stretch goals. First stretch goal is uh, I wrote a little Lazarus and Feelings hack for this game to play it in person because I 
I mean, the beauty of writing, I, we've already talked enough about it, but sometimes you do just want to sit down with pers- with friends face to face or, you know, in video yeah. chat and play. And we'd like to translate that and uh, include it with every pledge, basically, either digital or physical, depending on uh, what, what people are doing. So that that's the first one. Then we, we'd like to expand the, the game a little bit. Uh, Morgana has agreed to write uh, additional uh, pages, basically, of the setting to expand on the world all around. And uh, on the note of expanding the world all around, uh, the last stretch goal is the one I am most excited about. I haven't mentioned the online component of Chrysopia yet, and I don't yes. think it's mentioned in the page you've read either. I don't think it is. What is this uh, this online component? Okay, so uh, there is a website, the Floating Archives, which are in the world all around the great big library where all knowledge is stored, right? Mm-hmm. And there is a website for the Floating Archives where people can send their contributions to the setting. It exists already in Italian and in French, and the final stretch goals would allow me to spend a lot of time translating the contributions and providing continued trilingual support so to make sure that the world all around is entirely connected through languages. So that's the one I am excited about. That's super exciting. I love that. <laughs> Just the idea of like this big... It really does go back to restoring magic to the everyday world. Yeah, it's a, a world-building collective experiment, basically. Yeah. I really hope the floating archives take on with people because uh, they're full of lovely little insights. We drew on them a lot for our first game, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I'd like for other people to do the same as well. Yeah. Because uh, I, I think the best thing about Chrysopia is actually getting to see what people's creativity can bring them to come up with. Yeah. I I love that. That's so cool. <laughs> and I'm I'm really excited about it. Like I really like this game. I definitely plan on at least hoping I have enough to back it. The joys of Zine Month and Bells. But Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really exciting. I really like this game. I'm happy to hear it, and uh, hopefully it won't just be a Zinquest thing. Of course, we plan to continue giving support to the game in the future. Uh, I mean, it is our child now, as well as Morgans and uh, Marionos, so (laughs) we'd love to keep uh, making it available for people, even beyond, you know, the rush of the Zinquest. Yeah, 100%. Kiera, we're coming up to one of my favorite questions on the show. And that is in relationship to creators who listen to this show and would like a little bit of advice on how to make their own games. So what advice Hmm. would you give to those people wanting to design their own stuff, but they don't know where to start? Okay. I'd say, hmm, the thing that has helped me most as a designer is to get out of my own head and start playing the stuff I write or design. So actually playtest, playtest a lot. Some playtests may fail badly. I I had some games blow up in my face. It was so embarrassing uh, and I still cringe when I think <laughs> about it. But it was useful and it's the only way you are going to get anything, uh, you know, polished in a way that other people can enjoy as well as you. 
So yeah. just uh, get, I mean, I still cringe when I think about it, but uh, we laugh about it with the people who play tested it. It's been a bonding experience. So even the mistakes can help you along the way. So I'd say the advice is to not be afraid of what you make and uh, actually look <laughs> at it in play. <laughs> yeah. Incredible advice. Playtesting is always useful, even if it goes terribly wrong, which I yeah. have seen a couple times. And but you still learn. Like that's the most important thing you're learning from that failed attempt. Yeah, I seriously think that's the thing. Um, you can't write a perfect game, but you can write a game. And if you don't start actually doing it you're never going to get even just a game either. I mean, this doesn't sound as wise as I meant it in my head, but I hope it still came across. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> Kiara, where can people find out more about you, Nesundove, and On the Way to Chrysopia? Okay, so we both have uh, a website, which is uh, both for our uh, Italian-speaking audience and for the people who'd like to see our games uh, from uh, outside in English. So it's uh, nessundove.it. And uh, you can also find us on itch.io, where we have uh, some freebies, some little games that we wrote, some I did wrote personally, (laughs) and others were made by Oscar and Maria, which are... As uh, as I said at the beginning, the other two heads behind uh, Nessundove. Yeah. You can find On the Way to Chrysopia on Kickstarter for still a few days, hopefully, when this comes out. And uh, yeah, that's basically it. As always, audience, those links are going to be down in the description below. Go check out On the Way to Chrysopia. Go check out Nessundove's stuff. And make sure to check out Kiara's stuff because it looks like a lot of fun. It sounds like a lot of fun. Kiara, thank you so much for joining me on the show this week. It was an absolute blast to have you here. Thank you. It was a blast to be here, honestly. (laughs) I'm glad. And audience, thank you so much to listening. Once again, Kiara, Nesundove, and On The Way to Crespia are going live on Kickstarter right now. They're scheduled to launch really soon, so go back it. But until next time, take care of yourselves, and I'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Hey everybody, thank you for listening to this episode. I'm here with a friend of the show, Lion Knight from Tales from the Table Studios. Lion, if you want to tell them about what's going on in March, we'd love to hear it. Thanks so much, Zach. Hi, I'm Lion with Tales from the Table Studios. And at the end of March, the 24th through the 26th, we're going to be running a charity drive, the Days of Tales 2, in support of NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. We're going to be raising money through 36 hours over the course of three days with actual plays, panels, giveaways, and some other really cool stuff that we can't talk about just yet. But it's going to be exciting. We're really excited to do it. And we are looking for people who are interested in spreading the word in any way that they can and sharing in this great opportunity. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to it. There's some friends of the show on there as well. So I'm really excited for all that to happen. Until next time, though, everybody, enjoy the outro. Thank you so much to Kiara for coming onto the show this week. As of upload, 
On the Way to Chrysopoeia only has five more days on Kickstarter. That ends on March 12th, 2023. This beautiful game has already succeeded in its funding, so you're at no risk to lose out on anything. Please go give Nesundove some extra support if you can, and if you're in the position to. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, why not leave a review somewhere on the internet or talk to me directly. Links are down below and I'd love to hear from you. That's it from me though. Take care of yourselves and I hope to see you somewhere out there. Bye.